your past is a gift from God. Your age is a gift from God. Do you think you are too old? It's a gift. Do you think you are too young? It's a gift. Your mother is a gift. Oh, was she nasty? Oh, it's fine. She's a gift. Your father, as crazy as you think he was, or he still is, is a gift to you. Your past is a gift. Your siblings, your experiences. Someone laughed when I say your siblings. Yes, your annoying sister is a gift. They are. Your siblings are gifts to you. Your childhood experiences. Maybe you look back in your life and you say, why did I go through that? It's a gift to you. That experience, as bad as it might feel, it's a gift to you. The people you've met in your life, the experiences you've heard, those things are a gift to you. But how you handle your past can turn into an asset or a curse. How you handle those things. Some people grew up in hardship. And that hardship made them work hard to become successful. Some people grew up in very comfortable families. And that comfort made them lazy. And they died poor. So it's not about your circumstances. It's about how you handle your past. That determines your future. The past can be your best asset for success or your worst enemy, depending on how you handle it. Let me say that again. The past can be your best asset for success or your worst enemy. Oh, the past can be your worst enemy. Every time you think about it, you feel scared. Every time you think about it, you feel angry. Every time you, feel, you think about it, you feel sad. Every time you think about it, you feel inadequate. Why? Because your past has become your enemy. The same, your past can become an asset. Every time you think about it, you feel encouraged, challenged to move forward. The secret to living a fulfilled life is to accept your past and learn how to deal with it to your advantage. Use it. You can have big dreams. You can have high education or even resources and opportunities. But if you mismanage your past, it will keep chasing you. Or you will keep chasing it becoming a barrier to your progress. You don't want to be keep chasing your past or you don't want the, your, your past to keep holding you. But if you mismanage it, that's where we end up. Chasing your past is when you live with the shame of your past mistakes. Your past is chasing you when the pain of your disappointment debilitates you. 
because of way what has happened to you, you feel like you. I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, my my what my mother did to me. I you know I can't do that. What my father did to me. What my teacher did to me. I can't do that. You are debilitated by your past. It's chasing you, and you are chasing it. Repentance and forgiveness are the two inevitable keys to your freedom. That's how you disconnect with the past. You repent and you forgive. Repentance contains six unskippable steps to break the power of guilt in your life. Step step four of dealing with your past is renouncing sin. Renouncing your sin. Proverbs 28.13 The one who conceals his sins will not prosper. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. But whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. There is no repentance until there is renouncing. Sin is repented once it's renounced. (laughs) You can shed as many tears as you want and say as many apologies and speeches as you want. But if you are not yet determined to quit, your repentance is meaningless. True confession must lead to decisive actions. So let me talk about the difference between worldly and godly renunciation of sin. A worldly renunciation of sin. It's keeping the closest possible touch with the act of sin without actually falling fully into it. Watch this. A gossiper would say, I will attend the conversation but say nothing. I will still be there, but I won't say anything. Mm. That is a worldly way of stopping gossiping. I will be just smiling. I won't say anything. Why are you there? An immoral person might say, I will keep my subscription to the immoral website, but I won't click on bad stuff. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mm. (laughs) Uh, you, You are still subscribed, but you are strong enough not to click. No comment. Some people are really smart. They know how to manage themselves. Godly renunciation will say, it is keeping the distance between oneself and the person or the place where sin was committed in the past. Distance with the past. You won't entertain it. Go as far as you can to avoid that place, to avoid that person, to avoid that circumstance that led you to sin before. You know it. I don't know it. Sometimes it means quitting a job because that person is in that office. You're still looking at each other. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it means deleting for numbers. You know what? Not out of anger. Not out of anger. No. It simply means I will do whatever I can to avoid this thing that led me to sin. Moving towns, sometimes you have to move to avoid the person or the situation that led you to sin. 
worldly renunciation would say. I will entertain the motives, the thoughts, the words, the looks, the acts that led to the act of sin while keeping away from the final act of sin. I will go as close as I can, but I won't touch it. Mm. Godly, godly renunciation is running away from sin with no confidence whatsoever in one's own capacity to resist temptation. You know, most of us, we make arrangements to avoid sin, thinking of our best status. You are thinking of you at your best. While you have to build boundaries in your life against sin, thinking of you in your most vulnerable state. I don't know if I'm making sense. When you are building boundaries against sin around you, don't think of you as a strong person. Think of you as a weaker person you can be, then build boundaries. Some people may find it crazy, but you know what you are doing. That's why we don't stop. Because we keep it around us. The thing that is destroying you, you keep it around you, thinking that you are strong enough not to touch it. You are not. You are not. That's why you are still doing it. Worldly Renunciation is quitting what people know to be sin. Uh, what people know is bad. That's what you will stop. While godly renunciation, it is quitting what God knows to be sin. Worldly renunciation is the refusal to carry out the radical surgery that will ensure that the source of temptation is removed permanently at any cost. While godly Renunciation, it is words followed by actions. I said I will stop it. I've done everything to run away from it. So after you've renounced to, to sin, after you've renounced to the thing that led you to it, know that you have destroyed the power of sin in your life. But to renounce is not enough. Now we need to move to the fifth. Because people are affected by your mistakes, like it or not. Every time you make a mistake, even though you don't see it, every time you sin, someone somewhere is being affected by it. Someone. As you damage yourself, your future spouse is being damaged. Or your future child is being damaged. By drinking too much, you are destroying your future child. So don't think it's just happening in your own corner. Sin damages someone. Young people, young people, let me tell you, you can learn from us. Sin damages people. So the fifth step is restitution, is fixing what you've destroyed. The person who has seen that the harm his sin has caused to others or has sin has caused to others will not only put things right with God, but will also do whatever is humanly possible to right the wrong cause to others by their failures and their sinful attitude. Luke 19.8 says, But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have exhorted, 
anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. He offered to restitute four times as much to anyone he exhorted anything. Four times. This is the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it, is, it was a law. If you steal somebody's stuff, you have to return it and pay on top of it something. It was a law in the Old Testament. Here is Jesus talking to someone who has just changed or claimed to change. And he says, I will pay four times whoever I've stolen from. Restitution comes back. Fixing your relationships with people. Fixing what you've damaged in people's lives. You can claim to change if you've offended people. You have the responsibility to go and fix it. That is restitution. The willingness to put order where you caused disorder in the past is clear evidence to God and to people that you are indeed sorry about sin and you are determined never to go that way again. Some people require that you meet them face to face for a conversation to fix things or send an email or a phone call. So, for example, if someone was punished because of what you did, but nobody knew it was you, it is your responsibility to go there and say it was me, even 10 years later. Hey, that's restitution. Someone was fired because of you, and you kept quiet just in the corner. <coughs> and you kept that job. You deserved to be fired. Not that person, innocent person. Go and tell the truth to the person. It was you. To the company, it was you. You don't deserve that position. Godly restitution requires trying at any cost to find the person who was wronged and have things righted. At any cost. Try it's your responsibility to find them, not their responsibility to look for you. It is your responsibility to try as hard as you can to find them and apologize for what you did. But some people don't even want to see you, don't want even to listen to you because of what you've done. It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes if the other party doesn't want to communicate with you, go to a third party and talk, find a mediator to deal with that. If they don't want to talk about it at all, or maybe the person has died and you feel like you, need to, you still need to restitute, talk to someone about it. Find, find, find godly counsel. How do I process this? The person is no longer available. What do I do to fix what I've damaged in their, in their family or in their lives? But some, some advice is here. Don't try to restitute things that you thought only. Don't go to someone and say, I'm so sorry. I hated you so bad. That's, that's, that's a thought. <laughs> Don't go restitute thoughts. Why? That is between you and God. God, I'm sorry for the hatred. If you acted on it, go and apologize for the act, not the thought. We need to be careful with restitution. Careful. If it happened in your thoughts, don't talk about it. Talk to God. If you did something about it, repent for the act. It's, 
unwise to restitute for someone who is not there. Let me give you another example. Two of you st- stole money from James. Uh-huh. $10,000 from James, the two of you, you and, and John. And then you feel the conviction to restitute the money. So you have your $5,000. You go to James. James, I'm sorry. This is the 5000 that I took from you. But John is still keeping the 5000 there. <laughs> what are you doing? Ah, you are not you are not repenting. You are reporting the other person. <laughs> Do not report people in your repentance. Do your part and leave that place as if 100% it was you. Why? Because you don't know what God is doing in John's heart. It's not your place to expose people. Don't expose third parties. I was not alone, you know. It was not just me, you know. And so and so and so were there. Come on. That's not restitution. I will mention something here. We make promises in life. And please listen to me. If you promise to marry someone and then you didn't, apologize. Break that tie. Mm. You know why? Soul ties are not just when you sleep with someone. Every time a soul promises another soul something, there is a commitment of souls, you build a soul tie. If you leave that person and change your mind and go and marry somebody else, you are still married to two people. It is spiritual principle. You have to break it. You need to repent for breaking your commitment and pray that I break this tie in my life with that person. Don't jump from relationship to relationship. It's not fun. God will not allow you to go to this girl, promise marriage to that girl, promise marriage to that girl, promise marriage to. You go to that man, you promise marriage, you go to that man, you sleep with that one, you sleep with that one, and think that you will walk free in life. You are carrying people. When we talk about breaking soul ties, this is what we mean. Sin is serious. These are spiritual principles. Sin is serious. Every time you break up with someone, make sure you break up spiritually. Don't just say, well, I don't like you anymore, and you walk away. No. Deal with it spiritually. Apologize for breaking your word. Repent before God for breaking your word. And cancel that relationship in the spiritual realm. Pray against it. God, I renounce that relationship in Jesus' name. I'm no longer bound to that person in Jesus' name. Some of them will not forgive you. It's none of your business. You've done your part. Just say, I am sorry for what I said and I did not follow through. I'm sorry. That's your part. After you've done this, after you've returned somebody's money, after you've paid somebody's debt, or you've told them you can't pay it, it's okay in life to admit, I'm not in a position to pay, but I admit it was me who took it. Ah. Let them decide what they can do. Sometimes restitution can be costly. 
the last step of dealing with sin after you've done all this. So, <sighs> the last step is to receive forgiveness. There must come a time, a place, a season, a situation where you accept God's forgiveness. John, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is the promise of God. Forgiveness is not a right. It's a gift. And that's why we don't demand it. We ask for it. We ask for it. However, after you've done everything you can to deal with your mistake, God has promised to be faithful and righteous to forgive you. He has promised. It's important to accept his forgiveness. There are two dangerous extremes or attitudes concerning dealing with your past. Some people take forgiveness for granted. They don't ask for it. They assume it's their right. They take sin lightly. That's one extreme. Others take themselves too seriously to the extent that they overlook God's forgiveness. Even after repentance, they continue to punish themselves for their past mistakes. They've done everything to please God, everything to fix with people, but they're still, oh, I did it. After receiving God's forgiveness, there is no condemnation. Receive forgiveness. Those two attitudes, both of them are not healthy. If we confess our sins, God will forgive and cleanse us. Cleansing means that we are no more sinners in his eyes. Receiving forgiveness is seeing yourself clean as God sees you. You've done your part. Now receive God's forgiveness. You are forgiven, you are cleansed, you are free, you are justified in his eyes. Oh, Isaiah 1.18 says, Come, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson, red, they will be like wool. God is not angry at you when you sin. He's angry at your behavior, not at you. Let's talk, God says. He's inviting you. Come, let's talk. Don't run from me when you sin. Run to me, and I will make your sin as white as snow. Pay attention to what God is promising. Listen to this. God is not promising to change your color. He's promising to change the color of your sin. Read that again. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. He's not talking about you. He's talking about your sin. Pay attention. Pay attention. Stay there. Stay there. Your sins. Come. Come. Let's settle this. Let's talk about this. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. You've done so many things in your life to the point where they started by yellow, then they went to orange, then they, until they become red. God says, you've made so, so, so many mistakes. Come to me and I will make it white. Not you 
again, I insist, not you. Why God does not change your color? Because God does not erase the past. You've done it, you've done it, it's settled, you've done it. Your past is your past. You can't change it and God can't change it. (laughs) He doesn't promise here that he will change it. He says, I will make you as if, like, I will cleanse you from the guilt of it. I will cleanse you from the condemnation of it. I will cleanse you from the judgment of it. I will cleanse you from the shame of it. I will cleanse you from the consequences of it. But you, you have done it, my friend. (laughs) If God does not promise to erase the past, then we have to be okay with it. I don't know if I'm making sense. Because we've been taught God erases the past. Okay? What God does is to change the color of the past. Aha. He changes the color of your past. Instead of being judged for your past, God changes its color. You become a new person with experience. You've done it. You are not judged for it. But now you know better. Wiser. Thank you. That's why you need to utilize your past. You now have experience. You've made that mistake. That fine. But what do we do with it? Because you've made it, you don't need to do it again. Your sin is white. That means God doesn't see it as something that separates you and him anymore. But learn from it. Because it's your past. It's your life. Accept it. Why you keep asking the question, why me, God? Why me, God? Because it's you. Your past is your past. So do you want to take mine? I don't want to take your past. I don't want it. Keep yours. I'll keep mine. And I'm responsible for mine. All the mistakes I've made, I'm responsible for them. Are they, are they shameful? Yes. If I learned from them, Yes. I'm grateful to God for changing the color of my past. By being ashamed with your past or your circumstances, or it's because of your mom, it's because of my mom. If it wasn't my mom, if it wasn't my mom, so who cares if it wasn't your mom? How long are you going to complain about your mom? If it wasn't my ex, if it wasn't my ex, your ex, that's why we call him ex. He's canceled. Let your ex stay ex. You will complain, complain about them. It's over. God has changed the color of your past. You've learned something. Honestly, you don't want to take my past. You know what? Don't even ask for it. I don't think you will survive. Honestly, I'm built for it. And I don't want yours either. Brothers and sisters, let's take sin seriously. Let's deal with it. But it happened. It happened. It's okay. It happened. The past is our past. 
Let's learn to accept God's forgiveness. He has forgiven us. It's time to accept it. God, thank you because you consider me worthy to come in your presence. You consider me worthy to be called your child. You consider me worthy to enter heaven. You consider me worthy to start again. You've given me another chance. You've given me another opportunity. Thank you, God, because you don't judge me based on my past. You've changed its color. I have new opportunities to start life again because you've given me a new opportunity. But your past is just there to serve as a lesson. As a lesson. To God, you are as, as if you never done it. To God, you are as loved as all his apostles, his prophets, and his kings. To God, your life is as white as snow. Receive it. Receive that. Receive it this morning. You are forgiven. Receive it. It's a decision, my brother. It's a decision, my sister, to receive God's forgiveness. You won't feel any warmth when you receive it. You won't feel any cold when you receive it. You won't sweat when you receive it. You will receive it by faith. In your heart, God, I receive your 